Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. They're going to say, oh no, we're not going. No way. This is so important for any leader, parent, husband, mother, uh, anybody that got somebody looking to you. Fear is contagious because you know why? Most of us already have some in ourselves already. Most people already are battling with their own flesh and fear. So the last thing anybody needs is a leader full of fear coming and confirming fleshly fears. In today's message, Pastor Bill has a message for leaders. Now, when the word leader is used, you might think of a church elder or pastor. And while those people are leaders, leaders also includes fathers, mothers, husbands, and wives. So if you're a leader, this is for you. Fear is contagious. If you lead without confidence in the one who leads you, that fear will spread like wildfire. The people you lead have to see that you are confident in what God is speaking to you and how he is using you. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 13 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. So this is essentially what they're saying. Everything God said is true. What God said is true. It's right. God's right. What he said was true. Everything is just the way he said it would be. And then look at verse 28. It's a big old negative. Nevertheless. And everything after that is all bad. That nevertheless means I know that what God said is true. Yes, God said it flowed milk and honey. Yes, it flowed milk and honey. Yes, them grapes are the biggest grapes I've ever seen in my life. But anyway, never mind all that. Nevertheless. And he goes into the negative. Look at verse 28. The people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. So they go off. And they say, it's, 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 yes, it flows of milk and honey, but... We, we saw them enemies. Woo! The Anakas in there. They, they big. And everywhere we looked in the mountains, it was a, the Amorites, the, the Amalites, the, you know, the, all the ites up in the lands, down by the sea. Everywhere we looked at, we saw opposition. And I want you to notice that I don't know who gave the, I don't know who said about the grapes, but I want you to know how quick that went. Okay, yeah, it's true, folks, milk, honey. But they came over here and they had an essay. But you got to see the people. Oh, they so big. Oh, they so many enemies. Everywhere you look on the side, and this, you know, that's, they went and shared that. And this is what's going to happen to all the people that were already scared anyway that didn't go. They don't want to go. They're going to say, oh, no, we're not going. No way. This is so important for any leader, parent, husband, mother, uh, anybody that got somebody looking to you. Fear is contagious because you know why? Most of us already have some in our, ourselves already. Most people already are battling with their own flesh and fear. So the last thing anybody needs is a leader full of fear coming and confirming fleshly fears. You know, and so that's what happens here. The, the, the people selected to go out, come back and say, hey, all you guys are already scared. We're the leaders. We went out. And they came back and said, you got, you got every right to be afraid. Man, it's terrible. Y'all don't want to go see none of that. They, they just discourage everybody. And afterwards, nobody's going to want to go. Everybody's going to be afraid. But I want you to notice verse 30. My man, Caleb, 
And we'll find out as we continue, especially next week, that it's really Caleb and Joshua that have the different perspective. But notice verse 30, it says, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well, for we are well able to overcome it. And I want you to notice Caleb says, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, he didn't say be quiet or shut up, but he quieted the people. He said something. He said, stop it. Stop that, that talk. Y'all talking. Cut that out. He said, we need to go right now. He said, let us go up at once for we are well able to do it. Why did he say that? Because Caleb knew that God was their help. He said, well, we, we can do this with God's help. Let's go. Forget that. Let's, we need to go right now. I want you to hear the urgency in his voice. Caleb understood we need to go now. We need to, we need to head up right now and do what God said do. Do not delay. Let us go right now. We are well able to overcome it. And look at verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. In our church government structure, um, we don't observe the congregational rule or some of your older tradition churches, they got, you got to vote for everything. You know, we want to buy a new instrument. Everybody got to meet in that church Sunday, everybody sit down and we take a vote. We, how many in favor of us buying it say aye and how many say and, and this is what happens with that kind of structure. This is what I've learned I, and I actually been a part of that. So there's no guarantee that everybody out here, because to be in the number, all you got to do is be part of it. There's nothing that says that they prayed, that they sought the Lord, that they care to seek the Lord. They just have a position, have a place, they're in, a, they're in the group, and they get to have a pretty powerful say. If you get enough carnal people in the group, you ain't never do nothing God wants to do. That's what's happened here, right? The majority rule. The majority said, nah, we're not going. And so the two guys that were saying the right thing, they get overrun. They get overruled. They don't get to go. They don't, the, the two don't overrule the mass is, is the point. So um, what I've seen, you know, in scripture and I, what, I, what I believe in, I believe that there'll be men that God raised up to be leaders. And it's a unique thing. God will tell a leader something that he doesn't tell everybody else. When God told Joshua, you're going to take Jericho, Joshua, your first battle, this is your first one. First time out, you're going out, you're going you're to take Jericho. And this is how you're going to do it. You're going to march around. You know, once a, one time a day for six days, just march around to everybody to be quiet too. And on the seventh day, bring all the instruments and the singers and the things. You're going to march around seven times on the seventh day and blow the instruments. The wall's going to fall down. You guys have a great victory. It's going to be awesome. Go, go get them, Joshua. That was the war plan. Now, Joshua would not have been able to get a vote. If he said, guys, I got a plan. I came up with a great, I think what God wants us to do is march around. He would never, that would have never went through. Joshua had to go in and say, look, I heard from God. Who's with me? Let's go. Just follow my lead. I trust that I heard from God and walk with me. We'll know in seven days if it was from the Lord or not. Let's go. That's how it had to be. That was effective. So I just want you to see the different models, right? That was effective. You had a man hearing God, people that trusted he heard God, followed his leadership, and they took Jericho. Right here, you got two really godly guys smothered by a bunch of carnal, fearful men, and they don't get to break out. They're going to get in later, but they don't get to break out right here. They're hindered by the mask. So that's why we don't do that. Um, I'm not going to take a vote. You know, I'm going to pray. I'm going to trust God. I have men that I pray with about things. But at the end of the day, there's some things that I'm going to say, God, if you say do that, I'm going to just do it and trust that everybody will see later. Um, sometimes it's that way in family leadership. 
Um, if, if a husband, you may see that God is saying go in a certain direction and nobody else sees it or wants to see it, you lead out anyway. God will, God will confirm it afterwards. You just keep moving in obedience. So, so here, you know, again, Caleb said, let's go up at once. Everybody else said, no, we're not going up. 32 and th- 32 to 33. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. That's a lie. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. That's a lie. They saw the Anakin, but not all the men weren't men of great stature. The Amorites, the Perizzites, the Moabites, they weren't of great stature. Verse 33, there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came, the, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. And I want you to note that what fear did was cause them to exaggerate everything. Everything became worse than what it was. And sometimes that's what people do when you're in the flesh trying to convince somebody not to make you do the right thing. But they're doing right here. Exaggerating. Everybody was of great stature. That's not true. Just the, just them giants. Now, I was some giants here. That was true. But not everybody wasn't no great stature. Uh, the land didn't devour. It happened. Everybody was living just fine. Nobody was dying in front of them. And it says in our own sight, we were like grasshoppers, right? They had taken God out of the equation. They were looking at the enemy compared to them. And if we ever do that, we remove God from the equation. It's just me and the enemy, me and the adversary, me and the thing God's saying to do. I'm always not enough. And that's where I have to have a vision, a mindset that says, but God, I want God right there. What I think is so cool about Caleb is when Caleb is 80 years old, he's going to get an opportunity to go in. And Caleb is going to say, you know what? I'm as ready today at 80 as when I was 40. Just think about this for a minute, right? I'm as able, as capable, as ready. There's nothing different at 80 as at 40. You know why? Because if you take a 40-year-old and an 80-year-old, there's a lot of difference. Um, anybody here that's on the way, you know, to 80, it, it, it ain't like 40, you know, it's, it, this is what he was saying. He wasn't saying at 80, I'm just in super good shape and I haven't aged at all. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to run with the big boys and hop the fences. He's saying the same way I was going to get a victory at 40, God, same, same way I'm going to get a victory at 80, God, I'm just as able now as I was. That's what he's saying. There's nothing, nothing, nothing has changed. I still know God. I still trust God. And I trust him just as much now as I did then. And the same God that would have given us victory then will give us victory now. I trust God. And so notice that the difference, he's from 40 to 80. It's a big gap. But God, God has not changed. God is still able. And so I want to go back through and just point out some, some things I think are important lessons for us to, to gain from the chapter. Um, first of all, as we looked in the, in the very beginning, verses one and two, um, the command went out to spy out the land. And I told you guys that it started in Deuteronomy of them saying them not wanting just to go, but they wanted to send out spies. I would warn us, challenge us against trying to impose our will on the Lord. When we know God's already spoken or already given us direction, I want you to do it like this. Be careful of trying to force his hand, trying to trying to get bend his arm, trying to get God to let you do it your way instead of just being obedient. Instead of you conforming to him, you want God to conform because here God says, go ahead then. And it doesn't go well for them. Doesn't, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't doesn't serve them well that they did this this way. And it won't serve us well either if we take the the permissive will of God instead of his his stated will, the thing that God states that he wants. And so. 
that's one thing that we want to take from it. Um, the next section is the 12 men are selected. And of the 12 men, we find, like I said, that 10 of those men, we don't ever hear of again. They, they are forgotten. They're irrelevant. They didn't do a good job. They're remembered here for failing and not moving forward. That's it. The other two, Joshua and Caleb, they'll be mentioned at later. They'll be remembered for doing great things. We'll see it as we in the next couple of weeks as we continue on. These 10 leaders and all the people that follow them, it actually made God mad. We're going to see next week. And they're going to die. So y'all are going to die in the desert. You can't go in. Scary thing happens next week. God tells them you can't go. And then they say, oh, no, Let, guys, let's go. Let's get ready. Let's go. And God said, they, Moses, don't, don't go now. God's not with you. Now, they, they, they finally, when they, they got the fear of God hit them when the word came and they said, God, God says, y'all going to die here. You don't get to go. And they were like, oh, no. OK, let's, guys, rally the truth. Let's go. Let's go now. And it was too late. It was too late. God said, no, don't go now. Now I'm, I'm just not with you. You're going to this done. You're going to die in the desert. No, you don't get out. You, you just you're going to die here. Your kids, your kids might get to go, but you ain't going. And we'll talk about that more next week. But I look at that and I think, man, is, is there a point at which you miss out? I believe that I know Christians that and I think they're going to go to heaven. I think they're saved. But I think in terms of what God wants to do in this life, they're just missing it completely because they won't trust them. They won't submit. and They won't obey. They're Christians. But God just doesn't have full life. They're not they're not entering into the promised land in this life. They're not they're not going to enter into the spirit filled life. They're not going to enter in in this life and all that God has, which is a shame because you only get to do this life once. Right. Every one of us here, we got there's something God saved us to do. God's always taken people from to from Egypt out of bondage to the promised land. From sin and death to, you know, life and, and, and freedom and, and fruitfulness in God. There's always we're going from to in God. So God brought me from bondage to sin, from, you know, you know, going to hell to going to heaven. I've been brought from there too. But now, God's now that I brought you here, I want to do some things. And so in the midst of from to, where are you at in that journey? Um, maybe you need to come from. And need to, you know, maybe you still need to enter in if that's your case and you want to surrender to the Lord and come to the Lord and get from the world, from the enemy into relationship with the Lord. But if you say, I'm saved, I know the Lord, I give my life to Christ. I'm a Christian. I know I'm going to have when I die. I'm, I'm, I'm confident. I have that peace in my heart. I know I know the Lord. Well, then now that you're saved, what else? What's God speaking to you to do? What's he showing you? What's he stirring up in your heart? When you seek him, what does God stir up in you? Are you going for it? Are you doing it? Are you are you moving in faith and obedience? Every one of us here should be in some areas of our life exercising faith. And if there's nothing, if you, if you can look at your life and say, man, the last seven days, there isn't anything that I'm doing that requires faith. You want to reevaluate your whole life. There should be at regular intervals, the things that we're doing by faith, acts of service, things that we're doing for God, people that we're reaching out to, giving, um, just different things that God's going to be moving upon our hearts that everything that he wants us to do requires faith. Um, there should be things that are happening in our life regularly that require us to exercise faith. You had 10 men that had none and they get left right there. But you got two guys that trust God. And even though they get hindered by the group here, God sees their hearts and it pleases him. And God raises those men up. Joshua, we know later on, is going to be the guy that takes over for Moses. Caleb, we're going to see on into old age. Caleb is a guy that God's just, guys, I like him. That's a, that guy right there is about it. 
and he does great things for the Lord. Next, um, as they they're sent out, um, they went, went, you know, went and spied things out. They were sent out on their mission and they went to, to spy things out and check it out. Um, I discourage us from investigating when God has just said go. Um, now, there may be times where we're just investigating something, but if God has given a direction to do something, don't investigate. Don't don't spend time saying, well, let me see if what God said is actually true. Let me confirm that what God said is actually correct. If God said go, it's going to be good. There's going to be then go. And let, let, let it be confirmed as you go. But don't go confirm it before you go. That's what our flesh wants to do. There have been times in my life where God has called us to do things. And my wife will remember different times where God's like, I want you to do this. And we're like, okay, we both believe God has spoken for us to do it. But we sit down and crunch numbers on paper and it doesn't financially, it doesn't work out. The numbers don't add up. But God didn't say add the numbers up. He just said go. And every time in time, not right away, but in time, it all balances out, works out. We get we've gone and seen the Lord show up and be faithful. But many times it's like if, if it had to work out on paper first, I can think of three things that we would have never done that we were supposed to do. That we, but we wouldn't if it had to work out, we would have never done them. So, you know, there are people when it comes to kids, you know, there are people that some of y'all got. We, we had a church with a lot of families with big families, five kids, six kids. We got a couple families with seven kids. We get somebody with one kid. And it's like, I, I think we're just going to have two. I just don't know. I don't think it'll work out with five kids. And just talk to somebody with five or six or seven kids. They'll tell you. You know how it works out? Every kid comes and you just, you just, you know, it just works out. It just, it just works out. You, it, it, you, can't, you can't figure it out with one kid. Let me figure out how it will work out. We can add that up and see how many diapers, how many bottles, how many, how it'll work out with seven kids. It won't work. You, you will never work it out that way. But just have another kid. Have number seven. It'll, you'll figure out how to feed them, how to change them, how to clean them, how to, it'll work out. It'll you'll be amazed at how it gets done. So we want to just obey, trust God. Next, um, as they return and they report, they, they come back and they bring the report back, the negative and the positive. The big deal there was you had 10 guys that brought a report that didn't have God in the vision at all. They don't, I don't see God. I see giants. I don't see opportunity. I see opposition. I don't see anything but opposition. It's, that was a vision issue. That was a vision issue. They both saw the same thing. But these guys came back and said, all I see is the problems and why it won't work and I'm not willing to go. You got two other guys that are, they come back and they're like, man, we got to go now. The fruit is huge. You know, we're well able to do it. You know, I I don't see the enemies being a problem for the Lord. And what we gather from them is we want to be people that as we trust, that we trust God, that as we walk in faith and serve the Lord, that we're saying, God, I trust you to take care of my life. I'm not looking at my obstacles or opposition without you in front of them. You're in front of me and everything. And yeah, that's a big deal. If you weren't part of it, it wouldn't work out. But with you, all things are possible. I trust you. We want to be people that trust the Lord because he's trustworthy. Amen. And then the last thing, um, and we pretty much just said it, but where where they saw opposition and obstacles, uh, men of faith saw opportunity. And I just see that as I look through scripture and I look at people that God used to do great things. These are people that through faith were willing to overcome um, what seemed to be obstacles. I was just talking to my daughter about Esther 
And um, she loves the little phrase where Esther Esther's there. She's in the king's quarters and, you know, the, the Jews are getting ready to be extinguished. Mordecai is, you know, you know, um, sorry, Haman has worked his evil plot and got the king to sign the decree and they're all going to wipe out all the Jews. And Mordecai, her cousin, said, you, you got to go to the king and say something. And she said, but if I go in unannounced, you know, and he doesn't raise the scepter, I, I die. That's you can't just walk in unannounced to the king. You got to be invited. And he says, well, if you don't do it, God will raise up deliverance from somewhere else. But you and your family's household will, will perish. And Esther says these words and they're so awesome. She says, well, I'm going to go. She says, I'm going to have all my maidens fast and pray. And I'm going to go in before him. And she says, if I perish, I perish. But I'm going to go ahead. I mean, it's a risk. I'm taking a risk. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm leaving it all out there. My life's in God's hands. If I perish, I perish. And she didn't perish. But through that woman, the entire Jewish nation was saved alive at that time in history. One woman who said, if I perish, I perish. I'm going. She trusted God, you know. And I, you just look at other people and you look at their lives. I look at Paul, one of my favorite Bible people. And I just look at his life and I just see all over the place. Man, he just faith, just trusted God. I look at Daniel. We're, for you guys that are doing the Bible reading, we're going through Daniel. And I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. Now we're in all the prophetic part of Daniel. But I'm, the earlier part, I love them stories. I love to hear three guys. And the king says, you guys don't bow to my golden image. You're going to burn. And they're like, look, if we burn, we burn. We ain't bowing to your image. We worship God. Our God is, is not that golden. We don't bow. And they got thrown into the furnace. The fire was turned up higher than normal. The people that took them down burned up and died. And they standing up in the fire with the bonds burned off. Just walking around like, whoop. And, and the king looked down there and just, the fear of God came over him. And they get brought out of the fire. And they were a witness to that wicked man at that period in history. Daniel, same thing. You know, we catch you praying again to another God other than this God. You're going to be thrown to the lion's den. Goes home, breaks open the windows and prays like he always does. This, I, I look at you look through your Bible, you see people of faith, people that weren't overcome by fear. And God used them to save souls, use them to to, you know, just to subdue kingdoms to do great things. So what about me and you? Right. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. He's not done working. We're living in a dark time. We got to see the things that happen on the news. We're seeing the mass shootings and people being murdered. There's so much darkness. There's so much that the enemy is busy doing right now, causing racial divide and division and hatred and anger. And just he's just enemy is so at work. And it's so such a critical hour, a critical season, a critical time for people of God to be willing to walk in faith. It may just be faith to witness to people whenever you have the opportunity because people are dying all around us. Don't know the Lord. And most Christians don't evangelize. They just don't because it's scary. It's the main reason why people don't because they're scared. Um, that'd be one. If I could give an immediate challenge, because this is the one that's before us every day. Man, evangelize. Share your faith. Talk to some people about it. Everywhere you go, just get comfortable talking to people about the Lord. Be okay with being asked questions you don't know. Have a heart that says, man, there's a soul in that body that's not ready to meet the Lord. And I know how to get them there. I know I could help if they let me. Um, but you just see beyond whatever you may be hindered by. There's a soul in that body. There's a living, there's a soul that God wants, that Jesus died for. And, and he's given me the commission to speak the gospel to people. Speak it. Speak it. See what he does. You'd be blown away sometimes. You're speaking it here. And it's not for them, but it's for somebody else. But you're speaking it. So it's happening. Um, just speak it. You know, be, be, we need to be people that are walking in faith. 
Uh, at every season, but I'm, I'm looking at where we are right now, 2015. God is saying, I, I need some people that'll trust me. They'll take it, take it out there and do it. And there may be beyond sharing our faith. There may be things that God has personally spoken to us. Let's be people that trust God. God is trustworthy. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. As we study through the book of Numbers, do you relate to how the people wanted to rebel, complain, and doubt what God's doing? Throughout this book, it's easy to pick up on a theme that God doesn't look kindly at a rebellious spirit or behavior. However, He corrects the people in a way that causes them to come back to Him with the right kind of heart. The lessons that He taught them are the same ones He teaches you today. He wants you to live fully for Him, not just say one thing and do another. This means not going about your ministry complaining about the things that bother you. God wants you to be overflowing with gratitude for what He's doing in your life and to look back at the struggles and recognize that He was the one who got you through. Are you enjoying these things that you're gaining from the book of Numbers? Today's message is available to listen to again on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. Once you're there, just click on the Teachings tab. Otherwise, feel free to download our mobile app to listen to more messages like this. Just search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest information on service times and locations. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's Word and be together as the family of God. Again, our website is calvaryinglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of A Transforming Word.